Welcome to the Lift Podcast. My name is Angela Withers, and this is podcast number two in a series called Solid Roots Produce Sweet Fruits. And this podcast in particular is going to be talking about the preparatory root truths and the testing process associated with those truths. Much of the information that is found in this podcast can be found on our website at liftmindbodyspirit.com. And there's a free printable there called Solid Roots Produce Sweet Fruits that you can print out and have some of the information that I will talk about in this podcast. In part one of this podcast series, we talked about how we are made up of an intelligence, a spirit, and a body, which is why Lift has its name, Lift Mind Body Spirit, and that we have stewardship over each of those elements that make up who we are. I want to continue on with that in saying that if we have truth firmly planted in our minds, it will produce good emotional or spiritual fruits and good physical fruits, tangible good things in our lives. And I want to say something more about truth, that truth that's planted in our mind. It's not just an idea, it's actually a principle or a formula that can be lived. We can put it into action. It's truth that can then be acted upon and us following that or applying that formula or living in accordance with those principles of truth is what enables us to create and receive good results emotionally and physically. One of my favorite scriptures has always been Doctrine and Covenants section 130 verses 20 through 21, where it says, There is a law irrevocably decreed in heaven before the foundations of this world, upon which all blessings are predicated. And when we obtain any blessing from God, it is by obedience to that law upon which it is predicated. Just for the sake of this podcast and to keep things simple, I am calling these laws principles or truths, root truths. And that if we identify what these truths are, these true principles, and we plant them firmly in our mind like deep roots of a good tree, if we plant those firmly in our mind and then we align our lives with them, we actually take action and apply those in the aspects of our lives and the stewardships that we have in our life, we will receive good results because we're aligning with a law that has a blessing attached to it and that if we obey that law we will obtain the blessing that comes from doing so now when you print out this packet solid roots produce sweet fruits you'll see that there are 11 main principles that we focus on and to be honest there's probably a lot more or maybe even some of the ones we have could be combined a little bit But these are the principles that I felt inspired to focus on and base the content on Lyft, mindbodyspirit.com, off of these principles. And hopefully there will be others who will come 
after me that can take and refine these and make them even more pure. I personally believe that every generation should progress and become better than the previous generation. So hopefully this can just be a springboard or a starting point for greater things to follow. I've divided these principles up into preparatory root truth principles and secondary root truth principles for simplicity reasons and to really follow God's order. God gives us guidance and instruction line upon line, precept upon precept. There is order to his teaching and there's order to his expectations of us. He does not hold a teenager to the same accountability level that he may hold an adult who has more life experience and should have learned more of these principles. On page four in this packet, you will see that there's a diagram that shows this seed being planted, an apple seed, and then it grows into this tree that's just a small little tree getting its root system established and just barely starting to produce a little bit of fruit and then eventually grows into this big established tree with established root system bearing good fruit and then that fruit can be harvested and there's more seeds that can be planted and many more trees can grow and flourish because of that original seed being planted and giving the correct conditions to allow it to grow. That first seed that's planted is titled conscience. And your conscience is the most important root truth principle that we can live and put into action and follow and apply in our lives to get good results. Our conscience is also known as the light of Christ. It is truly Jesus Christ speaking directly to our mind through our intelligence and giving us feelings through our spirit. There's a book titled Following the Light of Christ into His Presence by John Pontius, and I recommend it wholeheartedly to anyone who has a desire to read it. It very much teaches you about the conscience, about the light of Christ, the role that it plays in our lives, and not only that, but the blessings that are associated when we live in obedience to the guidance that we receive from it. I want to testify that those blessings are real, that everyone has access to those to receiving those blessings if they're willing to intentionally recognize their conscience and follow it with perfect obedience. The blessings described in that book are incredible. They're the same blessings that are promised in the scriptures and they're available to all of us. All right, on the churchofjesuschrist.org under the gospel topics Under conscience, it says, All people are born with the capacity to distinguish between right and wrong. This ability, called conscience, is a manifestation of the light of Christ. A person's conscience is a defense against situations that are spiritually harmful. Righteous decisions and obedience to the commandments bring peace of conscience. Remember how we talked about in the previous podcast that when those ideas that come in that are good and correct produce good feelings, good peace of conscience. But those thoughts and ideas that enter into our mind that go against light and truth and originate with evil bring negative emotions. All right, let me continue reading now. When we sin, we feel remorse or guilt, just as we feel physical pain when we are wounded. This is the natural response of our conscience to sin, and it can lead us to repent. Repentance and forgiveness renew our peace of conscience. On the other hand, if we ignore our conscience and do not repent, our conscience will be impaired 
as if it has been seared with a hot iron. That's a scripture reference from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. We are to learn to follow our conscience. This is an important part of exercising our agency. The more we follow our conscience, the stronger it will become. A sensitive conscience is a sign of a healthy spirit. So if you've ever been pulling weeds in the garden and you get to a big weed and you pull it out and you notice just this one massive root that goes all the way down deep and there might be smaller roots too, but there's this massive root that's actually called the tap root. And that is the main lifeline for that plant. And one thing that's interesting is that with trees, they only have a tap root when they're young and getting established. And in this diagram that you'll see that you can print out in on page four of solid roots produce sweet fruits, you'll see that in that diagram, that conscience that's planted as a seed, if it's obeyed and followed, it becomes this strong taproot that really establishes itself and becomes a constant guide to you while the other roots continue to become established. And the other roots represent principles, principles of truth. Remember those principles or those laws that we can follow And if we live them and live in obedience with them and apply them in our lives, we receive good blessings and results from them. But that conscience stays as this strong taproot, especially during our early years. For many people, it's become a tradition for their children to be baptized and join the church at the age of eight. And they've reached this age of accountability. And unfortunately, I think many children enter into this covenant that is a profound covenant that they make with God at baptism unprepared because they haven't learned these preparatory root truth principles. And it's even more unfortunate, but I may be wrong, but I think that a lot of the parents have yet to learn some of these root truth principles or understand them fully so that they can teach their children and prepare their children for this precious covenant of baptism and this important time in their lives where they reach the age of accountability. These preparatory root truths, I'm going to just list them real quick. First and foremost, your conscience, that taproot. And that should be your lifeline, recognizing the guidance that it's giving you. And it will be giving you thoughts to your mind and feedback through your emotions from your spirit. So it'll come as a thought or a feeling. Every person has a conscience. It can be recognized as a feeling or a thought that helps us identify right from wrong. Following our conscience will lead to happiness and fulfillment in life. Rejecting our conscience will lead to unhappiness but can be reversed through a personal acknowledgement of the incorrect choice, restitution of any physical or emotional damage to ourselves and others, and an increased commitment to follow our conscience. And teaching our children to recognize their conscience, and understand that it is guidance coming from God, from Jesus Christ, to their own heart and mind and soul. And teaching our children the second preparatory root truth, that as soon as there's been instruction or guidance given from our conscience to us personally, the very next thing we can expect is opposition coming in. And that opposition is going to come in and tell us something that opposes what our conscience guided us to do. Now, Opposition is part of God's plan. It's not something that's trying to bring down his plan. It actually enables his plan to move forward. 
Opposition exists in all things. The correct amount of opposition allows for learning and growth. Too little opposition leads to weakness. Too much leads to destruction. Opposition will match the rate of our personal, intellectual, and spiritual development. This enables the appropriate level of testing and provides the necessary resistance to strengthen and refine our character. So parents training their children, helping them understand how to identify their conscience and how to identify opposition is a key factor to preparing them for greater covenants and preparing them for that age of accountability. Once the conscience has directed us, the opposition will come in and give us at least one or more reasons why we shouldn't follow our conscience. The next thing we have, the next preparatory root truth, is that we have the choice to make. We get to choose what guidance we're going to follow. Are we going to follow our conscience or are we going to follow the opposing instruction? And remember from our previous podcast, this is where our intelligence comes into play. Is that intelligence going to grow in light and truth or will it reject light and truth and decrease in light and truth by listening to and following and taking in false ideas? And God has granted us our agency or the, the blessing of being able to choose for ourselves. This is our preparatory root truth of choice. Every person has the right to choose their beliefs, their choices, and their actions. We must respect the right of others to choose for themselves while still holding them accountable for the results of their choices. We must protect and defend our own right to choose and be prepared to accept the results of our own choices. So now at this point, we make a choice. And let's say that we choose to follow our conscience. And this is applying the principle of faith. It takes faith for us to choose to follow our conscience. It takes faith for us to ignore or push aside or reject the opposing ideas and trust the instruction that came from our conscience or the guidance that came from our conscience and believe it and act upon it. Faith must be based on truth and accompanied by action in order to produce good fruit. Continuously exercising faith will enable it to become a strong motivating force in our lives. When we apply that root truth principle of faith, we have then intentionally rejected a false idea. When we reject false ideas or that opposing instruction, we are putting into practice the fifth preparatory root truth, which is pruning. To prune something, like to prune a tree, is when you identify what branches are blocking light, what branches have overgrown the tree, burdening the tree, and we remove those branches that are not producing good fruit. To prune is a regular evaluation and removal of that which is not producing good fruit. It results in greater growth, wisdom, happiness, and sustainability. Honest evaluation, recognition, confession, and removal of flaws in our character and behavior results in greater understanding, happiness, and spiritual development. So let's go back to that point where we had this choice, where we, our conscience gave us instruction, then there was an opposing ideas of why we shouldn't follow that and what we should do instead, and then we have a choice to make. We can choose to have faith in following what our conscience guided us to do, and we prune out, we remove, intentionally remove the opposing ideas. Or if we go back to that choice and we choose not to have the faith to trust what our conscience said, and we instead 
accept what those opposing thoughts told us, our spirit will then give us feedback, emotional feedback, that lets us know that we just accepted an incorrect idea. We just followed instruction that opposed the guidance that was divine. If we choose to believe and follow this opposing instruction, we feel uneasy, we feel depressed or confused and definitely less confident. We often feel a need to make excuses of why we didn't follow our conscience and we rationalize or hide the decisions we made. The fruits of this path are bitter. These fruits are a witness that choosing to go against our conscience produces negative emotions. Once once we have tasted the bitter fruit of not following our conscience, we can choose to stay in this place where we don't feel good and we might just stay in this cycle of not feeling good. Or we can evaluate where we went wrong. So this is where we take ownership over our own thoughts, our stewardship over our mind and our intelligence, and we start retracing our thoughts. What thoughts led to this negative emotion? Intentionally identifying when we followed an opposing thought rather than an inspired one is a necessary step for us to learn and identify truth from error. This allows us to choose that which brings good results and reject that which does not. So if we have chosen... To listen to this opposition, at that point, it's going to require faith. We have to go back, retrace our thought process, identify what thought or idea or belief we allowed in that wasn't true, and we have faith to trust the ones that were. Faith to trust and identify what is truth and follow it, and then we prune, we repent, we cut out, we remove that which wasn't good. When we choose to apply faith, By identifying truth and putting our trust and our faith in truth and aligning our actions with that, and we prune out and remove or repent of following incorrect ideas, we put ourselves back on that path of having peace of conscience and happiness. The fruit of that path is is happiness. And then the cycle can repeat itself. This is the testing process, and it repeats itself over and over multiple times a day. This is what it means as parents to prepare our children for the age of accountability, to prepare them to make covenants with God. In Doctrine and Covenants, section 68, verse 25, and we'll go ahead and do 26 and 27 too. Maybe we'll do 28 too. It says, and again, inasmuch as parents have children in Zion or in any of her stakes, which are organized, that teach them not to understand the doctrine of repentance, faith in Christ, the Son of the living God, and of baptism, and the gift of the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands, when eight years old, the sin be upon the head of the parents. For this shall be a law unto the inhabitants of Zion, or in any of her stakes which are organized. And their children shall be baptized for the remission of their sins when eight years old, and receive the laying on of the hands. And they shall also teach their children to pray and to walk uprightly before the Lord. This is what it means to prepare our children to help them fully understand this testing process. And this doesn't come just by talking about it one time. This comes from helping your children work through it and identify it on a daily basis for eight solid years. It is something that by the time they reach that age of accountability, they are very familiar with this process because the opportunities repeat themselves every single day, multiple times a day. Now, some people might be like, oh man, I've completely failed my children. We'll talk about that in a minute. But but I just wanted to make sure that we understand that this is not 
something we can just sit down and talk about one time. This is something we can help our children recognize and apply every single day of their lives multiple times throughout that day. The opportunities to help them understand and recognize this process are endless. My suggestion, if you feel like you've failed your children because you haven't taught them this in the first eight years of their life, my recommendation is become very familiar with it yourself. Everyone should become very familiar with this pattern. As soon as you understand it for yourself and you recognize it for yourself, it comes so naturally for you to identify it in other people and teach it to other people. Heavenly Father understands each of our individual situations and recognizes it. And he knows if you have a real pure intention and desire to help your children understand this, even though they may be older, live it and apply it in your own life and follow the guidance that you receive from the light of Christ and the Holy Ghost in knowing how to teach it to your family. I did not understand this testing process as a child. In fact, I want to say that when I was baptized, after my baptism, that very day we went to a restaurant and we had ice cream. Everyone was getting ice cream and my aunts and uncles were there and my cousins. And I remember feeling so good inside, just so clean and happy and pure. And I had these shoes on, these little church shoes that had a heel on them. And I was leaning back on those church shoes, walking around on the heels of the church shoes on that tile floor in that restaurant. And my mom said to me, don't do that. That'll ruin your shoes. And I didn't listen to her. I kept doing it and it didn't ruin my shoes, but I did slip right on that tile floor and I slipped and I was in my clean, nice baptism dress and fell on that tile floor. And I was so embarrassed. And I remembered feeling really sick inside. It was complete opposite of that good, pure, happy feeling that I had just had of confidence. It was completely the opposite of that. I was uneasy. I felt definitely unsure of myself. I didn't want to be the center of attention anymore. I was, and I had no idea how to get that clean feeling back. It was well into my 20s before I really understood this testing process. And I've been amazed at what spiritual blessings have come as I've aligned my life with this testing process or aligned my life with these principles. So if you have children who have yet to reach the age of accountability, begin to prepare them, teach them these preparatory root truths, help them understand how they work in their lives. And especially especially when they're having emotional moments, those are not the time to push them aside and feel annoyed. Those are the prime teaching opportunities to help them understand the testing process. And yes, you may need to let them have a little bit of quiet time and then talk to them about it when they're calmed down and help them identify it. But many parents get frustrated or annoyed by those emotional outbursts or those emotional moments with their children. And those are the very best opportunities to teach and strengthen your children and help them understand the preparatory root truths and the testing process. Don't let those prime moments pass you by. I just want to say too, on a physical note, there is a hormone that is released called oxytocin. And this is called, it's actually been labeled the long-term happiness hormone. And they have found that children can grow up and become very emotionally and mentally stable adults if they have had repeated instances throughout their lives where they have had these doses 
of this oxytocin that has come from a loving family member or person in their life who has helped them work through and identify their thoughts and their emotions and take stewardship over those thoughts and emotions. So do not let those moments pass you by. I'm just going to say too on a personal note that when my children were younger, I've talked about this in previous podcasts, so I'll try not to rephrase the story too much, but when my children were younger, we felt very guided to homeschool and we did. And for those first several years of homeschooling, I very much felt like the main subject that we were working on and mastering was how to use the atonement. (laughs) We would start into a math lesson or a science project and pretty soon there would be some kind of argument or fight and emotions would be high and frustrated and we would stop the lessons all the time to stop and identify what happened, what thoughts people had, what their conscience might have told them that they might have rejected or ignored, how we could have handled it better, and helped work them through this process of identifying the thoughts that came in, the emotions that came after those thoughts, and the choices that were made, and how we go back through this this process to use faith and to prune out what wasn't right, and basically the the steps of repentance and the steps of using the atonement to be healed. And that was, without a doubt, a tremendous blessing for our family to be homeschooling because we could stop the lesson, we could stop the schedule to work through what needed work through to help our children identify their stewardship over their their mind and their spirit. And at that time, I didn't understand, but there were multiple repeated strong doses of oxytocin, this long-term happiness hormone that our children were experiencing because of that. And there probably were math lessons that we didn't finish or science projects that ended up only being half halfway completed. But the preparatory root truths were being understood and those roots were growing deep into the intelligence of our children. In conclusion, I wanted to point out that the fruits of following our conscience always leads to happiness and peace in our heart, in our minds, mentally, emotionally, and the fruits of repenting or pruning out what isn't good and playing faith and trusting what is right always leads to happiness, always leads to peace of conscience. And regardless of the titles that I've given these root truth principles, I mean, I have conscience, but it could be the light of Christ or choice. It could be agency or prune. It could be repentance or evaluation. But regardless of what the titles are, it's understanding and following the first principles of the gospel so that we're prepared to enter into those covenants and ordinances when we reach the age of accountability. And I want to testify that recognizing and trusting and following our conscience even if it's so simple even it's just if it's just telling us to hang up our laundry in our closet the right way instead of tossing it on the bed or if it's telling us to live within our budget or if it's telling us to repent and apologize to someone and fix something that we need to or if it's telling us to be honest and tell the truth trusting our conscience and following it will put us on the path to becoming like God, will put us on the path 
to where we are living in obedience with law and we can receive the blessings that come from living in obedience with that law. I have one last story. Sorry, this just came to mind, but I just want to say that I still remember as this little girl, I was probably, I don't know, like four, maybe three. My parents built our home. It was a log home. My dad cut down all the logs. He did all the work himself and obviously my mom helping just as much. But as I was young, they were continuing to finish our home. There was still plywood where our toilet was downstairs in our downstairs bathroom. (laughs) And I don't know why, but I was sitting on the potty just as this little three-year-old girl or four-year-old. I don't know how old I was, but I had a pencil. And so I drew little people on the wall while I was sitting on the potty. And who knows, I was probably humming or singing as I'm drawing my little stick figures and with eyes that are uneven sizes. Anyway, but I remember that afterwards... My parents gathered all of us kids, I was the youngest in the family at that time, gathered all of us kids in around the bathroom and asked who did that drawing. And they asked me specifically multiple times. And each time I said, no, that's not mine. Nope, that's not mine. And I knew inside so clearly, my conscience was saying, that is yours. You know that's yours. Those feelings of opposition, those ideas came into my mind that said, you need to hide that. I listened to those feelings. I said, no, that's not mine. I hid it. And I don't remember if I had a punishment or anything from that. Maybe there was, I don't remember, but, but I don't even think that's, that's what matters. What's interesting is that all these years later, the thing I do remember is I remember how clear my conscience was telling me, you are not telling the truth. It was so clear and it's still so clear to me all these years later, I can remember exactly where I was standing when I was saying that's not mine because my conscience was witnessing to me, this is not true. And I'm sure afterwards I felt, I'm sure even at the time, my spirit, the emotions that my spirit was feeling, completely unsettled, no confidence, feeling worried and concerned. Okay, sorry. I know I said that was going to be my last, my last example, but I'm going to tell one more thing real quick. I think it's interesting that in the Bible, just right from the get-go, we learn about the creation and Adam and Eve being in the Garden of Eden. And then the very the very first story that we have in there is about Adam and Eve rejecting what God asked them to do. And obviously he gave them multiple instructions there, and it was definitely difficult to understand how do you how do you live one and not live the other? And we'll talk about that at another time. But the The thing I wanted to point out is that here's this instruction that comes from God not to eat the fruit. Here's this opposition that comes in telling them they should eat the fruit and they choose to listen to the opposition and they eat the fruit. And then the very next thing that they choose or that they feel like is that they should hide it. And it's that feeling of opposition that's telling them hide, hide. So they did. So they eat the fruit and then they hid and God comes to talk with them and they're hiding. And I think Heavenly Father wants us to identify from that experience and that example. Just He put that as the very first thing in the scriptures for us to identify that this is the pattern. This is the testing process and the pattern of the testing process that are we'll get instruction from God and then there will be an opposing instruction that comes in and then we have to make a choice what we're going to follow. But if we follow that opposition, the very next thought we're going to have is to hide it or to hide, or to not let anybody know, or to keep it a secret, and we feel less confident, we feel uneasy, and we feel a little bit confused and and worried, 
And that's exactly what I was doing as a little girl was I drew on the wall. And then the very next thing I thought was human nature. And it was really just this pattern that I didn't know yet at that time. But um, the next thought is to hide it, keep it secret. So I'm denying it. No, that wasn't me. <laughs> and I know, I'm sure my parents were like, okay, we know that it was you because nobody else in the family draws like that. But, and I don't even remember if there was a consequence, but I, but I remember that my spirit felt the consequence enough. And if we can help our children recognize and understand this pattern, if we can recognize and understand this pattern for ourselves and understand the testing process and the root truth principles that, that enable us to succeed and pass this testing process, then we have placed ourselves on the path that leads to Godhead, that leads to us understanding and living these principles so that we can obtain additional principles that will enable us to become like God even more and further on in our spiritual and intellectual progression, which will lead to great happiness in this life and throughout eternity. Thank you for being here with me today on this podcast, and I hope that this information is something that can lift your mind, your body, and your spirit. May you be blessed as you apply these root truth principles. This is who I am inside. This is who I am. I'm not gonna hide. Cause the greatest risk will ever take is my mind. To stand in the light and be seen as we are. To stand in the light and be seen as we are.